Good morning, everybody. Amen. It's uh, nine o'clock California time. And I am not a morning person. So I'm not responsible for anything I'm about to say or do. Amen. God bless you in the name of the Lord. Amen. Isn't it great to be in the atmosphere of the presence of God, worship, and and uh, I, it's been a while back, but a young man told me, he said, you know, all that worship, he said, we need to kind of, he said, dumb it down a little bit. And, uh, and then I heard somebody also say, we don't need any of that Hebrew Jewish worship in the church. He said, all we need is to sing psalms and hymns. And... <laughs> And uh, I said, well, you know, what, what do we want to do all that? That was a question. And I said, well, you know, it just happened to fall my lot to have to give an answer. And I said, you know, you're right. It is all that stuff, Hebrew worship, Old Testament stuff. You're right. I said, but here's the thing. I said, the book of Hebrews says we've come to something better. And I said, if David could dance and rejoice like he did with something lesser, you really think we ought to tone it down? No. No, absolutely not. Amen. Kind of feel like David. You ain't seen anything yet. Amen. There's something that happens when we worship God. I am convinced that worship is an expression of faith. And if you worship him, he'll reveal himself to you. That's where you're changed. It's in worship. Amen. All right, I got to get started. And uh, man, I'm going to tell you, for, for several years, Dr. James Hughes kept telling me, you need to get acquainted with my brother. And uh, I knew he was a good guy because of his first name. <laughs> Amen. We, we just, you know, in front of our names ought to be the great. <laughs> I know some of you are thinking, after your name's of beast. Amen. <laughs> and, uh, but, it, so it's, it's just been a delight get better acquainted with him and his family and this church and I sincerely mean that and I have the utmost and deepest respect for Brother and Sister Hughes and uh, thank you for letting me be back and uh, hopefully I'll not hurt you today I'll kind of help you a little bit so amen well y'all look like you're ready you're ready for me to go to work aren't you amen amen I want to go to John chapter 1 and uh, verse number 16. And the uh, tech people were excited because I had my verse this morning. And a lot of times I come to church, I'm not quite sure. Now, I know some people say that's a lack of preparation. I live prepared. Amen. And, uh, you know, 
I preach sometimes four, five, six times a week. And so, you know, I don't have time to just plan and create all this wonderful stuff they do now. And so, so hopefully it'll make sense. Amen. John chapter 1, verse 16, and of his fullness have we, have all we received and grace for grace. Everybody said grace for grace. grace, for grace. Amen. Father, I love you. And I'm thankful to be here today with this wonderful family and church family and your presence and the witness of your spirit that's on it. Thank you for gracing us today with your presence. We truly are indebted to you, God. We ask you now to open our understanding. Help me to preach your word the way you gave it to me. I ask that you confirm it in Jesus' name. And I take authority in this service in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you need grace. You can be seated. Several years ago, the Lord gave me a little insight. And uh, if you ever, well, there's some messages that God gives you that are um, they just go beyond boundaries. In other words, they don't have a shelf life. Some things that God gives you is for that moment. And then other things is principles, things to live by. And I think today what I'm about to mention to you is one of those. And uh, normally, if I would preach this from a different angle... I would have read the text about Jesus talking about if you're going to build a tower, sit down first and count the cost. Lest after you have happily laid the foundation, you're not able to finish it. And so that's usually where I would start with it. From that, I would talk to you about hidden cost. How can Jesus expect us to know exactly what it's going to cost when there is hidden cost. So you thought the night that you came to the altar, the day that you decided to live for God, you knew the cost of living for God. That's what's wrong a lot with modern Christianity. They don't think there's a cost. But there is a cost. Salvation is free, but Christianity will cost you everything. And so you have to understand that uh, how could you that day see the future? There's no way. You thought this is what I've got to do. This is what I've got to give up. This is what I've got to, this is the price it's going to cost me. See, you didn't know. You didn't know what the future would hold. You didn't see death. You didn't see divorce. You didn't see bankruptcy. You didn't see hypocrites. And oh yeah, they're still around. Amen. My pastor used to say, if you hide behind a hypocrite, that means you're smaller than he is. Amen. And uh, you, you didn't see none of those things. 
You didn't see disease. You didn't see sickness. So how in the world could you sit down and count the cost? Uh, I guarantee you that this you'll be able to relate, especially what I'm going to mention here. This is a wonderful building. We pulled up today. I, I told your pastor, I said, man, that's a nice building. And I know the, the, the cost, the cost. See, there's hidden costs in anything you build. Uh, you can't factor it in. It's hid. You didn't see it. And uh, <clears throat> that's just the way it goes. I uh, did a little remodel job when I was pastoring in Oklahoma. And uh, God was good to us. And we were growing. And we were packed out in that little old building. And so we bought some property out on the highway, planning on moving there. And an old prophet come through and said, key word for you is accommodate. Accommodate your growth. And so I got to praying about it, and the Lord showed me that building, how we could enlarge it, and how we wouldn't be in as much debt. And so now when you're pastoring in the second poorest county in the state of Oklahoma, that word debt is a major concern that you have. Amen. And so God showed it to us, and so we had the architect come in. He drew up the plan, showed us what we could do. And then we went down to the bank, and it just so happened I'd prayed the banker through to the Holy Ghost just a few weeks before that, which really helps, amen. And uh, so uh, I remember showing him the plans, the cost, our budget, and all that. And he said, you know, Pastor, he said, I, 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 I don't want to limit you on the loan, so we're going to set the, the loan way up here. And I said, man, I'm not building a new building. Just want to kind of, you know, renovate ours. And he said, well, you know, whatever you close at, that's be the amount. But I don't want you to have to come back and, you know, try to get extended. And I said, okay. So he did. And, man, we almost reached it. I mean, because when we got into the building, uh, the, the the contractor called and he said, we got problems, what's that? He said, uh, Hurricane went through Fort Lauderdale, Hurricane Andrew. So the hurricane went through Fort Lauderdale. And I said, well, what's that got to do with us here in Oklahoma? He said, everything, lumber prices just skyrocketed. And uh, so that cost us. We didn't see the hurricane coming. And then I was informed that when they built that original structure, they had went and torn down an old barn or an old building and used that lumber. And so the contractor said, there's nothing straight. There's no, we're going to have to gut it all the way to the exterior walls. And so that cost us a whole lot more than I had counted. Then uh, it just kept coming. It was like the gift that just kept coming, kind of like COVID. It just kept coming, amen. And, uh, you know, then uh, we had to bust up concrete and redo the whole plumbing. And then uh, the, <laughs> the electrician come in. He said, the bid I gave you, I, he said, I looked through it, but now that you've gutted it out, I'm going to have to completely almost redo all the electrical and he said, matter of fact, the city inspector just come by and your main power box is less than five foot from your baptistry. And so you can't even have church until you move that uh, box. And so 
And uh, he, he, he even asked the city inspector come back out. He said, why is it there? He asked me, why is it there? I said, because we're Pentecostal. <laughs> he said, what in the world are you talking about? I said, well, when they get in the water, they're going to get a shock one way or the other. <laughs> so you ain't getting nothing. We're just going to plug in right over here. Amen. And it, it really cost a lot. It just, and it was hidden costs, things we couldn't see. And uh, I think you can relate to that. I think you guys can relate to that, that you thought you'd counted the cost. You thought you knew what it was going to cost you. But then when you got into it, all these hidden costs come up. Well, it works that away in the physical and also works that away in the spiritual. Uh, there's just costs that you couldn't factor in. But if you read the illustration that Jesus gave, he said, finish it, finish it, finish it. But the fourth time, he didn't say finish it. He said, just finish. Because God knows enough about you and I to know that there's nobody here that has enough to finish it. Nobody. You are not self-sufficient. And so the question now comes down to, not so much about you finishing it. I just want to know, do you want to finish? Because you don't have enough to finish it. But if you've got it in you to finish, then i got everything you need to finish it. This will make sense here in just a second. Amen. And so the bottom line is that you will be without excuse in why you did or didn't live for God. You can say, I just couldn't do it, couldn't pay the price. But the fact is, is, well, let me give you a little example, and then I'll get over to the subject. The deal is, is that the great apostle Paul had even come to a point to where he said, I can't take anymore. This is costing me way too much. He said, three times I've asked you to remove this. But it's in red letter edition, the response and the reply. My grace is sufficient. You're going to wake up one day, and that's my subject today, grace. You're going to wake up one day and realize that it's by the grace of God that you are able to finish it. You can't finish this on your own. You can't make it to the end on your own. Praise God. No, you can't. I, I've met a lot of Pentecostals and spirit-filled people that thought they could. But trust me, somewhere coming down the road is going to be a situation that you're going to have to look at and deal with that you don't have enough within yourself to be able to finish it. That's where you need a little revelation on the grace of God. Woo. I feel the witness of the Holy Ghost right now. The only reason why you're still here is not because you're some superhuman being. It's because you have experienced the true grace of God in your life that has carried you through every situation that you've ever had to deal with. And if you really understood how many times grace has operated in your life, and you probably didn't even know it, you'd be on your feet right now rejoicing and magnifying God. I'm not just saved by grace, I'm kept by grace. I started by grace and I'm going to finish by grace. Woo. Praise God. We ought to just take a moment here and give him praise and thank him for amazing. It's not just grace 
It's amazing grace. Oh, yeah. I've heard people use this illustration that uh, it's um, grace, the unmerited favor of God. And I I agree with that definition, but I, I come up with my own definition. This is coming right out of the book of Mark. Grace, God's divine ability to fill the deficit. God's divine ability to fill the deficit. Mm. You know, some people think, and even the scripture tells us, don't turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. Some people take the grace of God and think, you don't have to do anything. You're saved by grace. You don't understand the works of grace and how grace works. See, it's you doing everything you can. And all have sinned, though, and come short. And so you're on your tiptoe, stretching, giving everything you've got. And then you realize you don't have enough. So it's that deficit, that deficit right there. It's not like God says, you don't have to do anything. I'll just fill it all. Oh, no, 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 no. That's turning the grace of God into lasciviousness or a license to sin. God says, I want you to give me everything you got. I want you to empty out your bank account. I want you to give me everything. But the fact is, is that you won't have enough. But if you'll just give me what you got, I'll fill the deficit for you. So, is this making sense to anybody? Now, let me, let me give this to you. And I, I think I know where the Holy Ghost wants us to end. Uh, John, man, I, I, I love reading John's writings. I mean, you know, I used to really just study the writings of Paul. And, and uh, you know, man, I want understanding of Paul's writings. Then it dawned on me one day that, you know, Paul, he's a powerful man, but... He could be a little crude at times. Matter of fact, he said one time about Simon Peter, he said, I withstood him to his face sharply. Like he's bragging about it. That was Paul. Just hit you right in the face with something. (laughs) Boy, I should get into this, but I think when Paul wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and he says, and when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child. But when I become an adult, he said, I put away childish things. I think he's talking about himself. I think that you would not have known Paul to epitomize the true love of God. That's what the 13th chapter is about. But when I become a man, I put away childish, immature things. Mm. That's just the way I see it. Amen. And so, but then I got to looking at the life of John and man, you know, the first time you read about John, he's a, him and his brother, man, they want to nuke a city. Yeah, really. Just, you know, Samaritans, they wouldn't receive it. And James and John said, just call fire down from heaven and just nuke them all. You ever read that in your Bible? It's in there. 
call fire down from heaven. Jesus said, watch him. You don't know what spirit you're of. See, the problem there was their prejudices was bleeding through. They didn't want to call any fire down from cities in Israel among the Jewish Hebrew believers that rejected him. It was only the Samaritans that they wanted to call fire down on. Boy, y'all are looking like a deer in the headlights right now. You're, you know, sometimes you'll be amazed and God will show you a lot about yourself by how you want him to judge something or somebody else. They're just a hypocrite. Oh, boy. You could be prejudiced about stuff that's not even about the color of your skin. I, I don't want to get into, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, I pastor in San Francisco, and trust me, I'm very secure in my manhood. Don't have any problems. But in, in our rank and file, you'd be surprised at how many people don't even think that a homosexual can be saved. Boy, it got quiet here. I can remember we had a lady that came to the altar, and man, she was, she was rough. I mean, she'd sold her daughter into prostitution when she, her daughter was about 14 to support her drug habit. In and out of prison. First time I read about her was on the front page of the little newspaper about her at a four-way stop having a shootout with some people that owed her some money for drugs. Her name was Linda Salyer. And uh, was in a Saturday night prayer meeting, and uh, this lady appears, and some of the ladies of the church were with her, and one lace. So I walked down there from my lofty position, and I said, "Yeah." She said, "That's Linda Salyer." I said, "Oh boy." So they wanted me to pray for her. I prayed for her, about like praying for that pulpit right there. And uh, so I just said, she's, she's too far gone. This, this woman's too hard. She just, she don't want God. So I left the prayer meeting to go into my office to prepare for Sunday morning. And I sat down and it was a thundering. Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician in this house to heal? If she can't find hope here, where is she going to find it? Now you go back out there and pray for her again. And I did. My old office would have been over in that corner and I come across the platform. And as I come across the platform, the demons, literal demons that had possessed her begin to cry out. Amen. I watched that night as God delivered. Now she was a project. But I watched that night as God delivered Linda Salyer and began to turn her life around. I'm telling you, you can look at certain people and say, ah, they're too far gone. They don't want it. They got too many habits, too many addictions. But I'm going to tell you something. The only way you're here is by the grace of God. And God knew how much grace you needed to make it this far. And he knows how much grace they need.
Praise God. Hallelujah. And so John writes to us. don't, Don't get me messed up here now. John writes to us. In the beginning was the word. I love those verses. The word was with God and the word was God. And uh, the word was made flesh. And we beheld the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Watch him, watch him. Full of grace and truth. John is going to introduce to you the container. And then he's going to tell you what fills the container. He is the container. He's the tabernacle. He's the temple. But in him, what fills him is grace and truth. Oh, boy. Grace and truth. Grace and truth. Verse 16, where I took my text. Of his fullness have all we received. Now, he just told you in the 14th verse what Jesus Christ was full of. Grace and truth. And of his fullness have all we received. And grace for grace. See, you're kind of like him, believe it or not. He's your elder brother. You are a container. You are a container. God wants that container filled with grace and truth. The ultimate goal of God is when you get out of here, you will be truthful. And grace full. That's God's design for your life. That's what God looked at and said, this is what I'm going to do. This is my purpose, is to make you graceful and truthful. Isn't it amazing to me that Jesus gets into the parable of the word and he starts talking about the word and then he makes this statement. He says, and to he who hath shall more be given to. But to he who hath not shall what he hath be taken and given to another. Now, I understand those that have and adding to it, but I had a little stumble on that verse when it says, and to he who hath not shall what he hath be taken and given to another. How can you be a have not and give something away? If you don't have it, you don't have it. I've been trying to tell the IRS that for years. I'm a have not. I don't know. Anybody else know what I'm talking about right now? And the fact is, then one day, I think the Holy Ghost helped me understand that. He said, I'm talking about my word. I'm talking about truth. If you receive my word, I'll just keep giving it to you. And I'll keep adding truth to your life. But the day that you reject my word and the day that you reject my truth, I'll not only withdraw that truth, I'll start withdrawing other truths that I have given you. Because it's not a matter. Listen. The apostle Paul wrote, I think it was Paul who wrote about uh, the equivalent of it was, we don't want you to become a leaking vessel. See, uh, God will keep giving to you and keep giving to you truth. But you've got to be careful when God gives you a revelation of truth and you say, I don't want it. I, I don't like that one. Because you don't just lose that. You start losing a lot of other things. Now, if you don't believe me, I could take you down an historical highway. The Pentecostal movement started out of the holiness movement. And then 
cloven tongues like as a fire fell. And oh, I'm telling you, man, the world was set ablaze by the baptism of Holy Ghost and fire. Then what was it? 1916, 17, the revelation of Jesus' name baptism and the mighty God in Christ. There in Southern California, McAllister running through the camp meetings, screaming, I see it, I see it, I see it. They called it new light. They didn't like it though. And so at a, at a conference, I don't know if I should mention names or not, but at a conference, the Assemblies of God was formed and a hundred and something oneness preachers walked out saying, we see it, we want it. Well, they rejected it. Now, I want you to look now at their pit. I want you to see them. They no longer have any holiness. That's where they started. They no longer even believe in the essentiality of the Holy Ghost evidenced by tongues. So the moment that they decided that they wouldn't accept the truth of Jesus' name baptism is the moment that God said, I'm going to start extracting from you the things that I've already given you. So if you're sitting there today and God's dealing with you about his word and his truth, I would encourage you, this is not a buffet. This is not where you get to pick and choose what you want. Truth is a fine woven tapestry that mingles a lot of stuff and a lot of thread is involved in it. You've got to learn to accept all the truth, all the truth, all the truth, all the truth, all the truth. And let me tell you, Pentecostal, something. You still don't have all the truth. Got to be careful. I feel a preaching spirit here. Got to be careful. I want him to keep adding truth to my life. He's not just full of truth. He's full of grace. And here John says, in grace for grace. And of his fullness have all we received. And grace for grace. What's that mean? You probably could understand it better from a legal perspective, which is what this lends to. Trust fund. Trust fund. Somebody leaves the entire inheritance to you. But they know you couldn't handle all of it at one time. And so they allocate it to you on a monthly or yearly basis or as needed. See, when you receive Christ, you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality. And of his fullness have we all received. But God looked at you and said, you couldn't handle all truth right now. It'll be line upon line and precept upon precept. Here a little and there a little. That's the way that God still works. Can you imagine, have you ever had God give you a little smidgen of a revelation and you thought you was going to blow up? I mean, brother, you were a buzz for days. I mean, it was just, now can you imagine if God took all that revelation and one lump sum and gave it to you, we'd pick you up in little pieces, or you would me, I promise you that. Well, it would be many, 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 many little pieces. And the, and the deal is, that's the way that God works. So he gives you truth here, and then he watches for your obedience. But grace, now watch grace. Grace is the same way. See, grace is that uh, divine ability to feel the deficit. 
Now, if you look at the word grace in the Greek, then it is charis, charis. It's where you get the word charism or charismatic or charismata. That's what you get. So when you look at the word grace, the definition of it is gift. It's gift. It's gift. Now, I want you to catch that. It's gift. And so it's, it's grace or gift upon gift or grace upon grace. So God looks at every day of your life and he says, I'm going to allocate today the grace that you need for today. I'm not going to give you tomorrow's grace. You get that if you get to tomorrow. I'm just going to give you grace for today as I gave you grace for all the previous days in your life. And so I'm just going to keep layering grace in your life and just keep adding to grace in your life. Woo! And again, by the time you get out of here, I want you to be graceful. You're going to, mm, you're going to understand how it works. That's the reason why I think that Jesus said, take no thought for the morrow. Uh, don't, don't worry about tomorrow. There's sufficiency for tomorrow. Because if you start living in your tomorrows, facing your tomorrows, you're in a zone that God has not given you grace for yet. So you're trying to deal with things in your tomorrow that God has not given you the gift to deal with it. So that's why this is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I can't get tomorrow's grace, but I can have all the grace that I need for today. And whatever I need, the measure that I need today, he's going to give it to me. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I learned there's two things that take your rejoicing from you. You ready for it? Yesterday and tomorrow. I'm not, I'm not getting into that one. <laughs> grace. Everybody say grace. I was uh, preaching a revival, and the pastor made a statement. We was having a great revival. I mean, literally, just great move of God. And the, the pastor said, you know, Mark, if we have the kind of revival that we say we're going to have, it may cause some persecution. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, most persecutions always come from the religious sector. He said, if we start emptying out of the churches, he said, because it really all comes down to the bottom line's the dollar. And if you start threatening their livelihood, like Paul and Acts and all that stuff, uh, they're going to come after you. And he said, it may even be that in the end times, some of us have to give our lives for the gospel. And uh, in my mind, I'm thinking, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I don't receive that word. You're a false prophet. I ain't listening to that. Bunch of hypocrites sitting out there. And so uh, a few days later, I was kind of talking to the Lord, and he said, well, would you? Mm, I love you, Jesus. 
I worship your name. You're worthy to be praised. Woo, from the rising of the sun. Would you? Mm, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you? Would I what? I already knew. Would you die for me? Now, I'm just going to tell you, I'm spoiled. My wife waits on me like I'm a king. And don't mess with her and tell her that she don't have to do that. <laughs> I get treated wonderfully by churches. I mean, this guy has fed us. I mean, he's, no, I'm not going to say that. I mean, just wonderful. And, and, and I fly first class. Now, it's not that I'm trying to be a high roller. It's just that, you know, you wouldn't want to sit next to me in a middle seat either. Oh, I know what y'all think when you see somebody like me coming down the aisle. Oh, Jesus, not next to me, please, Lord. <laughs> Jesus' name and Jesus' name and Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. My discernment's working right now. I, 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 I stay at nice places. Y'all put me up in a wonderful motel. People are very gracious and all. And uh, I, I, I like... I like fast and let's get it done and, you know. And uh, I, I, matter of fact, I'll just be honest with you. When I get a headache, I don't call for the elders of the church. I take Tylenol. It works faster. They're trying to find them elders for praying for you. You'd be dead and gone by the time they get there. Now, I know some of y'all are like, empty your purse out. Let's see what kind of medicine you got in it. And so I, I, I wrestled with it, and I finally said, I don't know that I could. I know. I'll, I'll hand the mic back to you right now if you want it. I mean, I know I'm not worthy to be his disciple. I was braced up for the nuclear lightning boat. And this is the words that I heard. You're right. Today you couldn't. And that's when he gave me that verse. <laughs> because I've only given you enough grace for what you're going to face today. <laughs> but if the day ever comes that they put a gun to your head and ask you to denounce, you just be reminded of this. I'll give you enough grace to get you that situation because my grace is sufficient. That's how they would run into the Colosseums, not away from death, 
but toward death. And you read those stories. I used to read the Fox's Book of Martyrs. Man, I must be warped or twisted or something. And I'd read about all those martyrs and the, the price they paid. And I, I'd just be honest, I'm like, my God, how did they do that? They must have had something. Well, yeah, in one sense they did. They got the amount of grace that they needed. And so God sees every one of your days. And he knows what you're facing today. And he knows what you're going to face tomorrow. And so when you woke up this morning, it wasn't just new mercy that God gave you. He allocated into your life the amount of grace that you need to face what you're going to face today. So I just want to encourage somebody. Listen, if you've been living for God any amount of time at all, look back down the road. Just just look back down the road. I know we could talk about David. I once was young, but now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. So if you'd just pause here a moment and look back down the road, you'd admit it with me here today. Moments of crisis in your life, trials in your life, hidden costs that come up, you didn't know how to pay it. You didn't see that you had enough to get it done. But it was at that moment that all God wanted to know is, do you want to finish? You don't have it within you, but if it's in you to finish, I got everything you need to finish it. And if I remember correct, some of the last words of Jesus on the cross was, it is finished. Somebody ought to clap your hands and magnify him. Can I, can I show you one more thing? This applies to us today. I didn't give this verse to you, but if you don't mind, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, and we'll start at verse 2. Everybody good? Everybody awake? We need to do the old charity long song get the blood circulating <laughs> father Abraham had many sons head and shoulders knees used to be knees and toes now it's just knees and knees <laughs> you'll, you'll get that one here in a little bit if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given to me to you if, back up, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, and he's talking about what God has given him to be the apostle to the Gentiles. Let's go on. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote a four and few words. Four. Whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Five which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Six, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Seven, now watch this one. Whereof I was made a minister. What's it say? According to the gift 
of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Eight. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints in this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now I want you to go to chapter four and uh, verse number seven. Everybody good? I know, slow down. Ephesians 4 and 7. Now watch this verse. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Now that verse means that God's generosity to you gave you some great gifts. These aren't just common gifts. These are great gifts. That's what he's saying. But the whole thing hinges on the grace that was given. The grace that was given. Now, I don't want to get into this here today. It's not, I'm going to bump it, but this is not the place. I know Paul in the fourth chapter is getting ready to go into what we term as fivefold ministry. Fivefold ministry is a gift to the body. The body is not a gift to fivefold ministry. Now, I know some preachers that reverse it. They think you're supposed to be a gift to me. It's reversed. You see, here's the deal. God's, now, I won't be careful how I say this. I, I don't want to cause you any trouble. But I'm watching a tendency in us now that the whole focus of everything in the church is on the platform. I've been in a lot of places now where they, I'm glad y'all paid your light bill. I've been in a few places that they had to keep their lights out. And, and, and you know, I, and now, they know when they invite me what they're going to get. And I've even stopped and said, can we turn the lights up? The Bible says some men like darkness because their deeds are evil. I want to see what I'm about to shoot at. But the stage, they don't even call it a platform anymore. It's a, it's a stage. And it's lit up. I mean, the lights are going. And all the focus is on that. That's not the way God does it. God's real focus is not up here. Us entertaining you or with preaching or singing. But God's attention is right there. And he says, I think I will. I think I will. Here's how it works. Paul writes to the Galatians and says, as long as that son, though he be heir of all things, as long as he's immature, he differs no more than the servants, though he be Lord of all. But then he mentions tutors and governors until the time appointed by the father. Mm. Oh, there's two... 
Am I preaching too long? Now, I don't want to miss the restaurant today. I went too long the other night, and we missed where you were going to try to take me in. Now, here's the deal. When, when Paul writes to the Romans and says, uh, to wit the adoption, and then he says, wherefore they cry, Abba, Father, Greek and uh, Hebrew, Father, Father. There's two, there's two witnesses of the Spirit in sonship. Uh, and there's two times that you cry, Father. The first one is in, and this is what John said, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, which he hath testified of his son. Now, when Jesus is in the waters of baptism, can I do a little doctrinal here, Jill? When Jesus is in the waters of baptism, and John baptizes him that all righteousness will be fulfilled, and he brings him up out of the water, what happens? Do you know what happens next? What happens next? Were you ready for me today? I love picking on you. I really do. You're a good kid. You're a good young man. What happens next? Yeah. And what happens next? It's a wonder you even come to church when I'm here. (laughs) This is my son in whom I am pleased. What happens next? This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Who says that? God. God. Okay. Now let me ask you a question. When you go into the waters of baptism, right, and you come up, See, the first indication is the dove. Why a dove? You ready for a Bible college cram course right now? Sure. I think you can handle it. What was the witness to Noah that there was a new world? A dove. A dove. So Noah goes, that's why we're saved by water. So Noah goes in the ark in an old world. But when he comes out of it, He's in a new world. And the witness of that new world was a dove. So when you went into the waters of baptism, you went into the waters of baptism in the old man and in the old world. But water moved you from that old to the new. And when you come up, he said, I'm going to give you witness that this is a new creation. And the Holy Ghost come descending like unto a dove, and the Father spake. I don't care how you slice it. When he spake, that is a divine utterance. So tongues was the witness. Divine utterance was the witness. Well, I've already been to the water. And I've already been baptized. But it didn't stop there. When I come up out of the water, I was a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things have been passed away. And behold, all things have become new. And the witness of the Spirit. The witness of the Spirit. 
is when I begin to speak in a heavenly language as the Spirit of God gave utterance. It was God telling everybody around there, just like he did on the banks of Jordan. I know he don't look like much to you. Isaiah, boy, I, I could preach right here to preach my socks off. Amen. You wouldn't want to see that. Amen. Isaiah said he would have no form nor comeliness that we should desire him. So when Jesus Christ is standing there, he didn't look, there wasn't anything physically appealing about him that caught your attention. But brother, when that witness of the spirit came and it was saying to everybody, I know he don't look like much to you, but trust me. I know you're looking at the badger skin. I know you're looking at the tabernacle. I know it don't look like much on the outside, but if you could see what's on the inside, You'd see royalty and can you help me preach here just a second? You'd see the splendor and the glory and the majesty of God. That was Jesus Christ. For in him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Looked like every other Judean man walking. The outer part of him, the tabernacle, no different than you. But the fact is in him, in him, in him, in him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And when you come up out of the waters of baptism and the Holy Ghost come descending and you begin to speak in tongues, it's the first time that you can actually call him Father. It is the divine exchange. While you're talking in tongues, you're saying Father. And at the same time, he's saying, Son, you've been born again. Now are ye. What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Woo. Yeah. That's the first time. Second time. Jesus goes to the top of the mountain. Roman father, when he would have a boy, his firstborn boy, he would bring him out at birth. And this is what he would say. Here's my son, and I am pleased. Hmm. That was the witness of the father letting everybody know this is the heir of all things. That's why he uttered those words. Hmm. Now, at that point, at that point, the father would take that boy, according to Paul writing to the Galatians, and he would hand him over to tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. So the father would say, now, I want you to mature him, educate him. I want you to help him grow. I want you to help him grow. Because there's a day that I've got set that I'm going to give him everything. Everything. I won't be the one speaking anymore. He will. It's not going to be my estate. It'll be his estate. My, my, my. That's why when the Roman father would bring his, 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 am I boring you? He'd bring that boy out in the second time. You know, he'd say, this is my son. Hear ye him. I'm not going to be talking to you anymore. He has all authority. Listen to him now. I could take you to Hebrews sundry times and all. God spake through his son. Now the deal is, is Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? And he's glowing like a light bulb. 
Light wasn't shining on him. Light was shining out of him. He was in a glorified state is what he was. And this cloud overshadows them. And a voice spake and said, this is my son. Hear ye him. He's showing them future. He's showing them what John would see later when he would write something like this. In the city where the lamb is the light. They were seeing him and what he would look like as the mature son that was now heir of all things. Beloved, now are ye the sons of God. And the same thing happens to you. The first witness of the Spirit is in the new birth, but there'll be another witness of the Spirit. And Paul wrote to the Romans and said, to wit the redemption of our bodies. Your body's not redeemed yet. Your spirit is, but your body's not redeemed. It's redeemed, and when it is, you're glorified. Ooh, you're glorified. Now, here's the deal, and I'm going to stop. Paul said, until you get him to that maturity, you're, you're responsible, tutors and governors. Ephesians says, fivefold ministry, until we all come to the fullness of the stature and all the stuff and all. It's the same thing. So here's what happens. Let me, let me borrow you again. No, I'm going to borrow you. Yeah, you're sitting over there like, pick me, pick me, pick me. <laughs> you got up this morning, started getting dressed. <laughs> Today is my day. All right? Now, uh, you, you, and you. Come up here. I need, yeah, and you. Yeah. I need uh, two more. Any volunteers? Yeah, come on up here. And, and that guy's specific, but yeah, come on up here. One, two, no, I got one too many. Now we got a six-fold ministry. Which one of you only gets kicked out of the ministry here today? All right. Sorry, I didn't mean to embarrass you, sir. Thank you. So one, two, three, four, five. So we got five. Pastor, apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher. So we got all five. So here's the deal. Now you come up here. And so you're a newborn infant, and God says, I'm going to give you over to tutors and governors. So at that moment, he hands you over to tutors and governors. It's called five-fold ministry. Their job is to mature you, to get you ready. What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be but when he appears we shall be like him I'm the prize of the high call study that verse it's glorification that's why Paul said forgetting those things which are behind I got my, I got my, my sight fixed on that right there and so God says to every one of you, now if you want to get to where you need to go, I got some grace. I got some gifts that I'm going to put into your life. They're not your enemy. They're gifts. Now, I know people can do dumb things and they can, I won't go into that. But the fact is, is this is what happens. So now it's your responsibility to make sure that he's growing. He's maturing. Where in the world do we think that we could just be born again and just stay in infancy the whole time? Y'all better sit down. I, I got to stop. I got to stop. 
pastime. Bunch of infants teaching infants. You stay in a perpetual state of infancy. You ought to thank God for that gift right there. Sincerely. You ought to thank God for him. He is a gift. So when God looked at, what's the name of your church? Greater life. So when God looked at greater life, he said, I have chosen to give you a gift. And I will, with that gift, give him the measure of the grace or the gifting that he needs to give to you what you need. And I'm telling you right now, I've traveled the fellowship. and They may have me deceived, but I don't think so. You can quickly pick up on someone's spirit. But I can tell you right now, these people love you. They have a burden for you. It's proof in this church. And God has blessed you. God has certainly blessed you with a great gift. Become a guardian of that gift. Learn the value of that gift. Somebody comes talking to you about the gift, trashing it, running it down. You need to do like my, my mom was raised in a pastor's house. This lady, she stopped and, and she was starting to talk about our pastor. And they were at a fast food restaurant. My mom looked at her and said, I think you better get up and move. It's a true story. That lady said, why? My mom said, because I'm fixing to kick you right out of the seat. You're not going to come talking about that man like that. I don't care what he's like. You're not going to come talking to me about that man. And this is her terminology. Do I look like a trash can to you? And the lady said, what? She said, I'm not a trash can. So take your garbage somewhere else. And the enemy knows the best way to cause a church to lose its faith is to cause division in the church. Boy, I didn't, I walked right into this. There's division in the church and you got folks over here saying, Paul's our pastor and Apollos is our pastor and Peter's our, and then you got the spiritual ones in the church. They didn't need a pastor. They were of Christ. They got theirs direct. You ever met anybody trying to destroy faith in the ministry in your life? Can, Can I take just, just, I'm not trying to make you feel whatever. Just, 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 just sit down here a second. Let me tell you how this goes. Ready? So you two go out to eat after service. And this is how it always starts. You, you tear up. Then you pucker up. And you say, no, I, I, I'm not gossiping. I just have a burden. And I am so troubled. (laughs) And I've been praying. (laughs) And if you've noticed, we take a lot of offerings in this church. Yeah. Yeah. Please receive it the way that I intend for it to come. I'm not saying that it's actually happening, but it's just the way that it looks, and perception is reality. (laughs) But I notice that every time we take a special offering, Sister Hughes has a new pair of shoes. (laughs) 
and the seed is planted. Now you're on your way to give your offering up here. You normally give online, but you're, you're a snoopy dog now. You're checking things. You come walking by and, oh my God. I think those are new shoes. I think they're embezzling church funds. Don't let anybody put that in you. Are you please don't let anybody put that in you. Let, let me help you with one thing and I'm done. The ministry is in the hands of God. There's stars in the hands of God. I'd rather be in your hands than I would the hand of God. As a minister, as a minister, I would rather be in your hands than I would be in the hands of God. God takes that pretty serious. Mm, Don't let any divisions, any divisions. Now here it is. We're in the end time. A lot of crazy stuff going on. World's turned upside down. Society is a wreck. I mean, my God, how many genders is there? I think I'm a fish. I get to choose what I am. It's just wrecked. And the spirit of the Antichrist is working. And then you got him working, and then you got all the stuff in Houston and, and all this. I mean, it's just crazy right now. And here's my deal. I'm going to be honest with you. I look at it, and I'm like, my God, what do we do? How do we combat all this? How do we survive all of this? Boy, God, with what we're facing, I am, I am, I am, I am. This is where I know the Holy Ghost wants us to go. I told this Friday night, I'm going to tell it here quickly. I called for a healing service. God spoke to me the night before, I'll heal everything in the building. So I called for a healing service on that Sunday night. They lined up. They lined up. I preached. And now Sunday morning, man, it was crazy. They were just running and jumping and swinging from the lights and running and poking hose in the sheetrock. I've seen them do it. <laughs> you're going to run, I suggest you might want to run with your eyes open. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been that much in the spirit. <laughs> I won't be careful there. And so, uh, I mean, Sunday night we get back, it was, it was dead. It was horrible. It was just dead, dead, dead. And so I'm preaching, and I mean, it's just like, listen, this service right now, is extremely lively compared to what was going on in that service. And so I just stopped and I said, okay, everybody that needs a miracle, you need healing, come get in line. And they did, man. They, I mean, all the way down the aisle, across the back, coming up the other side. And the first lady in line was Margie McGuire, and she had Parkinson's disease. I mean, and please don't, the arm was drawn, shaking, and, and um, I looked at her, and I was kind of like, oh, wow. 
come on, Jesus. Throw me a few slow ones. Let me warm up here before you put me in the batter's box. You know, a couple headaches, a couple backaches. Stuff people can't see. You ever been in those services and say, you're healed in Jesus' name? Testify about it. Hand you the mic. What are you going to say? <laughs> oh, I'm healed. <laughs> and so here's, here was my dilemma. Is I kind of view faith like a checking account. And I knew how much faith I had. So let's say I had... $25 worth of faith. This needed $100 worth of faith. Amen. You never been there? And you're looking at the deficit. And you know if you write the check, it's going to come back. I-N, how is it? I-N-F or... Insufficient funds. Now, I know in Texas, nobody's, that's just a California problem. And so what do you do? What do you do? So I said, uh, come off the platform, start a torter. And just as I stepped off the platform, it felt like something draped on my shoulders. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, the gift of faith now rests upon you. Because the moment that I gave God everything that I had and he's seen in me, I want to finish. God said, that's all I wanted to see. You gave me all the faith you had. Now watch how the gift of faith works. I'm going to give you enough faith, 75, maybe even $76, so you have a dollar left over for this. This is how the grace, this is how the gift or the grace of faith works. I didn't even get to pray for the lady. I mean, seriously, I was, I was ready. I was ready to start my miracle ministry right there. Hmm. Cards printed up. Mark Morgan, faith healer coming to town. I mean, I went and got an oversized bottle of oil. I'm ready to pray the prayer of faith. I didn't even get to pray for the lady. I got maybe somewhere around here. She starts just spinning <laughs> and, and doing this, whoo, spinning. I'm like, wow. And then she just, about four rotations, and then she stopped. When she stopped, she's looking straight at me. And I watched it with my own eyes. Whoa. And I watched them eyes get about that big. And she said, oh, my God, it's gone. Wait a minute. I haven't anointed you with oil yet. And it's like the Lord saying, it ain't you hot shot. You didn't even have enough faith to get the job done. I had to give you my gift. I feel the deficit. So all the glory really belongs to me. God. Oh, it didn't stop. I'm just still standing there. Boom, boom, boom. I mean, they're just falling like flies back through there. And, just, and I'm just still standing there like. 
But I will tell you at that moment, I could have believed God for anything. Whoo. I was preaching for Billy Hale and a boy died in the foyer. The night before I had said, for this weekend's over, God's going to show us the power of his name. Mm. They come, they come carrying him up the center aisle. He passed away in the foyer. They brought him up here. His dad was in the service. And I'll never forget it. He's laying here. I mean, he's dead. And, and we had his, his dad had his head in his lap. And he was kind of rotating his head, screaming, please, God, don't take my boy. Please, God, don't take my boy. I'm begging you not to take my boy. I was on one. Nurses were working with him. And they're like, and Brother Hale was on one side and I was on the other. And Brother Hale looked up at me and said, you said last night before the weekend was over, God's going to show us the power of his name. This is it. And at that moment, the gift of faith kicked in. See, you think you've got to have great faith. God never asked you to have great faith. He said, all I need is faith as the grain of a mustard seed. I'll, I just need whatever little bit you got. I'm preaching to some of you right now. The devil's been beating a snot out of you because you're in situations and you just can't seem to get past it and you just don't think you've got enough faith for it. I'm telling you here today, I ask God to release the gift of faith upon this congregation to accomplish his eternal will. Let's stand. Hallelujah. 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 Some of you are facing situations and you know there's a deficit. Ooh. You know there's a deficit. I just don't think I got enough to get through this. Today is a special day. Because God looked down at this church today. I'd plan on preaching something way, completely away from this. I couldn't get away from it. I want to give them grace and gifts. Now, I, I, don't, I don't need you going crazy and screaming and hollering and falling out for you to get it. I just know that by the time you leave this service, there will be gifts that come to you. And that God is going to measure the gift that you need and the ministry that you need to fulfill his will in your life. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I just, this is simple. I just believe it's going to happen. I think some of you are struggling. Well, I know God asked me to do this, but I just don't know how I can get it done. You ever been there before? I, God called me to do this. I just don't know how I can finance it. God's called me this. I just don't think we got enough resources. God called me to do this. I see what he wants done. But I, you know, I just don't have enough strength and all this stuff and all. Well, that's probably true. But I prophesy to you today that the heavens are opening and there are divine resources that are coming to the apostolic church of this end time. I'm talking spiritual, emotional, physical, financial, and relational. I feel the witness of the Holy Ghost right now. I don't know what your need is. And all five of those, it's spiritual, it's emotional, it's physical, financial, or relational. But I do know one thing. Today, God told the angels, he said, all right, load up. We're headed down to Webster, Texas. And I'm headed down to that congregation. And I got a gift for every one of them that's in a deficit. Mm. I got a gift for everyone that's in a deficit. And if they'll just reach... If they'll just reach for me right now. If they'll just extend themselves toward me right now. 
I'll give them that gift. Reach for him right now. It might even be the gift of the Holy Ghost. You ain't going to get the Holy Ghost just standing there like a statue. Reach for it. Reach for it. Go for it. In the name of Jesus. Woo. In the name of Jesus. I know I should have let you out a long time ago. Just, just, you, you, you got the service right now. I think the gift spirit want to operate through some of you right now. Oh, Brother Morgan, I, 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 it's not, it's not your gift, it's his gift. It's going to operate. So I want you to turn around, and here's the deal. Covet the guest, best gift earnestly. That don't mean that there's categories of gifts. That just means whatever gift is needed at that moment, that's the best gift. So whatever the gift is, that person you're getting ready to pray for, before you lay hands on them, this is what I want you to do. Father, I don't know what their need is, and I don't know what gift is needed, but I pray today, God, that you let it flow. Let that grace flow through me, that gift flow through me to this person right now. If it's a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, gifts of healing, working of miracles, it doesn't matter. I'm asking that gift to operate in my life to help minister to your people because this is really what it's all about. That's what the gifts are for, not to make us look spiritual. Are you ready? Turn around and find somebody. Say, do you have a need? Ask them, do you have a need? Just ask them, you got a need? Miracles are getting ready to happen in this building right now. And I want you to ask God right now, Lord, whatever gift it is that's needed to effectively minister, let me be a messenger and let me be a conduit of that grace. Ikishatukataya. It could be just a simple prayer, just a word of encouragement, just a word of encouragement to them is the very grace that they needed today. Just you being concerned, just pick up the phone and call them. Just speak a word into their life. Woo. Go help them financially. <laughs>